It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. This is episode number 39. We're going to be talking last night's UFC as well as the latest MMA news with our, not just Mr. Danny Batten but also our special guest. The show is available as usual, youtube.com slash acepodcastnation first. It'll also be out on facebook.com slash acecastnation and audio and radio podcast platforms everywhere. So uh, you can watch or listen in any way you please. Of course, we're going to be talking everything and the like. I recently dropped an exclusive interview with Cage Warriors. Uh, I nearly said featherweight. Lightweight Oban Elliott, which you can check out on the YouTube channel, Facebook page, which was very interesting. Oban, never short of a few words, had plenty to say, including some words for his fellow Welshman, uh, current lightweight champion, Mason Jones. So uh, we've got that. We've also got an interview with Jordan, the epidemic, Vucinic coming up as well. So look out for these shorter interviews. But uh, with no further ado, let's welcome my guests. First of all, former Cage Warriors champion, UK MMA legend and 70s porn star, Mr. Daniel Batten. How are you, mate? What all right, sir. What is that? <laughs> Well, you kind of just described it pretty well. So, uh, so for the audio it, listeners, it, it gives them it gives them superpowers. Yeah, for the audio <laughs> listeners, Danny's uh, Danny's goatee has now become uh, just like a moustache. I don't know what you would call it, but the best I can think of is uh, so. If you want to be family friendly, I'd go with uh, like Magnum. But uh, you know, we're all we're all adults. He looks like a seventies porn star, and then. Um, <laughs> Joining us is one of UFC's hottest prospects, fresh off his impressive 
victory at Fight Island ahead of his next uh, his next bout in the UFC. We have Modestus Bukash Kash 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 Kash. I still can't say it. He even practiced saying it, and I still can't say it. UFC light heavyweight Modestus Bukash Kash. Bukalkas. Is that right? Danny, you the thing is you work with him all the time, you should be able to say it. Like at least I got an excuse. I'm just like uh, reading it and trying to guess I, it. I, I'll just give him a pet name when I see him. Yeah. I don't I don't go by his real name. It's too hard. So anyway, Modestus, how are you, mate? Yes, doing very well, thank you, mate. How are you doing? All right, mate. I'm good. Very, very good to have you back. It's always good to have you on, mate. I um, I remember I, last time you were on. I think I called you when I introduced you. I called you a lightweight for some reason, um, but even though I said light heavyweight underneath you, bloody name, I still managed to say the wrong weight. But I got it right this week at least. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you got a a big fight coming up soon. When's that? When is that? And uh, tell us a bit about it, mate. Yeah, so uh, I'm fighting on uh, October 17th uh, against Jimmy Crute. And uh, I know that it's probably in the headlines now that uh, it's going to be on Fight Island again, um, which is really good. Uh, I, really, I really enjoyed the whole experience out there in Abu Dhabi. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to go and have that experience once again, obviously with the team, with Danny, my dad, Deniston. So uh, it's going to be amazing. And like I say, uh, you know, it's just a very... Very, it's you know some people say it's a very big step up in competition and you know oh why would you take that in your second fight in the UFC and stuff like that but you know I feel confident in my skill set um, you know my training has been going absolutely amazing like I said I've got the best coaches uh, you know not just in the UK but in the world so uh, yeah like I said I can't wait to go out and show my improved skill set and um, go out and get a big win and then uh, put myself into the you know into the top ranks of the UFC and uh, start making big moves so. You know, like I say, training's been going great. So, uh, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it. Yeah, you mentioned the coaches uh, behind you. Uh, when I did it, when I interviewed Oban the other day, we were talking actually about Danny and uh, Richard Shaw. Um, we said they, we said they were rubbish. No, like we said, oh. like, uh, they, you know, like because they're outside of America, maybe they don't get the the credit which they would get if they were in one of those big teams in America. You know, in the kind of thick of it uh, of the UFC and everything, you know, week in, week out. But I think, you know, you'd put Richard, Danny, and a couple of other coaches around the UK right up there with the best in the world, as you said. Um, Jimmy Crew is a, I would say he's definitely a step up from your, you know, no disrespect to your previous opponent. He is a step up. Uh, I think he's ranked 16, is it? Or 15? Yeah, that's it. So. You know, if you go and perform as you have been previously, whether it be in the UFC or Cage Warriors, there's going to be a big statement for you. Um, oh, yeah. And someone asked um, us, uh, someone messaged me and asked, uh, why have you changed your name or added name, whatever it may be, to the Baltic Gladiator? Any reason behind well, that? Do, do you know what? It was... Um... Because I was sort of struggling for for a nickname, and listen, my 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 my, uh, my Twitter name beforehand was like Modestus Bukowski One. I don't know, it just didn't really have much of a ring to it. It wasn't very easy to remember or anything like that. You know, like especially when I put in my plugs for like my my handles and stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, I, I actually a Lithuanian uh, um, fan actually made like a poster for me, 
and it said underneath the Baltic Gladiator, and I was like, do you know what? That's actually really catchy. I kind of like that. So ever since then, it pretty much just just stuck. And then even the entrance song that I had out had like a little segment from the Gladiator film. So, you know, um, it pretty much it was just something that I wanted a nickname that was different. Like a lot of mm. people, you know, they follow along the same sort of thing. But with me, it was like that. That was the first nickname. Like no one else has called that. So I just thought I'd literally just run away with it and take it as my own. And and it not only represents my country. Uh, that I was born in Lithuania, but also the Baltic states, uh, you know, like uh, Latvia and Estonia and stuff like that. So, you know, it it, it just seemed very fitting for me. So, uh, yeah, I decided to then change my uh, my Twitter name to that as well. So, uh, yeah, it all worked out pretty good. Yeah, I like it. Um, so basically you stole it from someone on, what's someone on Twitter or social media? That's what it is. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, Danny, I'm assuming you're going to be going out to Fight Island in October. Disgraceful, shirking, yet another podcast. This is getting <laughs> ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But uh, no, I'm only joking, obviously. Um, so, before we go into the card, we're going to talk a bit of, uh, bit of news, rumours as such. Um, one thing which caught my eye yesterday was uh, there was a kind of a report about Dan Hardy says he's feeling fresh at 38 and if he returns to MMA, someone is going to get it. Uh, he hasn't fought since April 2013, I think it was. Um, but there was rumours a while ago. Uh, I think it was 2000, August 2019 when he went on the Joe Rogan podcast, I think it was. Uh, and he kind of said that he was looking to enter, re-enter the USADA pool. And he was kind of edging that way. Obviously, we're another year on from there. Um I'm not sure if he's in the USADA pool as of, as as of now. He could be, I suppose, but I don't I have to have a look because I know you could have a look at the list, can't you? Um, mm. But Danny, what would what do you think of a potential return? Um, obviously, didn't he he, redru- he didn't he re- retire initially from a health issue? Yeah, Wolf that's what I understood. White syndrome, I think it's called. Or yeah, Wolf. yeah, yeah. I apologise if I said that wrong. Yeah, I'm not too sure about the intricacies of what that health issue was and whether it's something mm. that can just go away on its own or could take a surgery to put it right. But um, I know it was due to a health history. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's been a long time out for him and, you know, he's no longer a young man. But not to put anything against him, but at the end of the day, as long as he's been training well and keeping himself advancing and improving, um, you know, just having all those years away from the fight game does mean that he hasn't put all those miles on the clock of recent time. So it depends on what kind of extent he means by coming back, coming back for one, one or two fights or to come back to hope to get into title chip contention. Mm. You know, in what context does he mean by coming back? I, I just don't know. Do you think um, he should be looking to take like a fight in like a cage warriors or somewhere like that first, rather than be going straight into the UFC? Or do you think just because of the, you know, obviously he's no, a, like a pioneer yeah. in the UK MMA. Like I yeah. understand that the UFC's point of view, they'd want him to fight on the UFC. Sure. But from a like a tune-up point of view, should he take a fight well, maybe on no, Cage Warriors? No, I think if he's making a return at that sort of age, anyway, you know, he, he, just he's just it. got to hit hit it big. Yeah. He, you know, at that age, you're just not going to have. Long, you're not going to have age, loads of fights in your body. Yeah, you're just not going to have loads of fights left in your body regardless. And, you know, he wants to make every one of them count. He can have those tune-up fights 
within the yeah, rules of UFC that's a, possible. Like a um, ESPN card or whatever, can I, you? I, yeah, and I can only but imagine that Dana White and Dan Hardy have a really good relationship anyway, which would allow him that that comfort to return back in. Um, so they probably did pro- until he until he until he got all uh, hot under the collar with that referee. And I'm sure yeah, whether that would have affected I, their relationship, but you never know. Yeah, um, I'm sure that didn't go down too well. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's exciting news. It's more news, but uh, you know, I don't want to say it's against him, but the reality of it is, if he wants to get back into title contention and things like that, that that's that's a big ask. That really yeah, is a big ass. But like, you know, I love Dan Artie a bit. It's a great guy, um, really intelligent guy. I love what he listened to his breakdown and his commentating. Mm. Clearly a switched on dude. And I can only imagine he's become technically better and strategically better in his time away. I, he hasn't been away from the sport in terms of sitting on the sofa. He's been keeping himself busy. He knows what's relevant and what's not. And yeah, I, initially I'm excited about it. But I also have one element of me that's a little bit worried, like, hey, you know, yeah. be careful. Yeah, Naturally. Yeah, I think, so he said, another thing he said to MMA Junkie Radio was um, Frankie Edgar's still going at it. And he said he felt like he was still in school when Frankie was making his UFC debut. So from an age point of view, I don't think 38 is necessarily that old for a fighter these days. Like if you keep fit and you look after yourself, etc. I do think that you can still fight to that age. The problem is, what was it, what did I say, 2013? That's a long time to not fight, and let's look. If you just look at the man to your left, mate, do you know what I mean? Like these guys coming up now, then they're, they're not. There's no easy fights in the UFC, um, mm. and when you look at the guys who are coming into the UFC now, the guys who are really hungry for it, the guys who really want to make a statement and stuff. I don't know if coming back after a, a massive long layoff at 38 is going to work out well for him. But then on the other side, Dan Hardy was, like I said earlier, his pioneer for UK MMA. And uh, he was mm-hmm. a very, very talented dude himself. Um, yeah. Modestus, what do you think, mate? Yeah, well, I kind of I kind of agree with Danny. I think, you know, it would be a quite big ask to sort of try and look to get a, a title run, especially with all the killers in the game. And, you know, even trying to think, you know, what sort of weight class he'd, he'd want to go into. I'm not sure if he'd want to go welterweight, middleweight or... Or, or what the case may be, but um, I think obviously, listen, I, I I don't know what it's like in retirement and stuff like that, and you know obviously he had, uh, like you mentioned, like the health issues and stuff like that. Um, I think there there's obviously there's got to be that hunger. I mean, you're watching fights, you're analysing fights, you're breaking down the technical stuff. you there's always going to be that little fire, and, and you know maybe in the back of your mind you're thinking, well, there, there's probably those questions of what if and. You know, yeah. what 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 I'll be like. I right could now I could still do this. Do you know what I mean? He must yeah, be thinking. Exactly. It's like how how's the skill set sort of improved, or how is my technical analysis? I think you know as well behind closed doors, no one knows what Dan Hardy's doing. He you know if he's trying to make a comeback, he must be training. He must have been all this time you know doing something strategic within his training and stuff like that to be able to you know pose um, um, such, such things. Uh, you know, out in the media and really wanting to fight. So he he's always kept in good shape. Uh, uh, like we said, you know, he's he's always analysing fights and breaking things down at, on a technical level. So he must have like a really good, like, you know, te- technical backing and stuff like that. So uh, that would definitely help him uh, uh, if, if he was making a comeback. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does. I think most likely it'll probably go down the, down the course of, you know, maybe like a, 
a free fight contract or something like that. And uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm not saying 38 is old, but in, in the fight game, especially with a lot of killers out there, um, you know, it, it's sort of, that, that that's the end of most of people's careers and he's just now yeah, trying yeah. to come back. So I don't know... Uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, like like we say, you know, Dan, Dan Hardy's an amazing guy. So, uh, you know, I, I I wish the best for him and stuff like that. And we'll we'll, we'll see how he fares, uh, you know, you know, coming back because as well, ring rust is going to play in effect. So there's a lot of different factors, but it'll be very interesting to see from a fan perspective what he can do now mm. after having this time away. So, yeah. well, I just had a quick look at that Wolf is Wolf Parkinson White syndrome. Uh, which basically includes heart palpitations and tachycardia. Now, look, I'm not a doctor, uh, and I've got no expertise. I've got not my knowledge of that syndrome is literally what I've just read in 20 seconds. But I would think if he had that in 2013, and he, if he still got it, being out of action for that long, age, things like that, then naturally I would have thought not going to make that condition better, but. I don't know. I don't know if it's something which stays with you for life, if it gets better, if you can, it could be treated. But it sounds like quite a serious condition. It sounds like, uh, of, well, obviously it ended his career, so it must have been, you know, quite serious to some extent. Um, so there's obviously that side of it as well. Look, I'd love to see him back if he can come back, you know, without risking his health, etc. other than, you know, the, the usual risks, obviously. Um so, Mo, what, the other thing I wanted to kind of just chat to you about before we get into the the card from last night was um, we got some huge fights coming up uh, over the next few months, um, and I'm I got to say I'm really looking forward to there's one uh, not next week but the week after it's Colby Covington versus Tyrone Woodley. I think that's going to be an absolute belter. Mm-hmm. Um, but the card I want to get your take on is UFC 253, because in my opinion, and I was uh, talking to Ben Ellis actually the other day um, about this, I think it's the best card on paper there's ever been um, in combat sports. So I'm just going to read through the card first, and then I'll get you a take on, uh, on the card generally. So you've got the main event, Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. Uh, sorry, right? ignore everything I just said, because I'm talking about the wrong card. I'm going to cut that bit out. <laughs> Leave it so, in. Leave it the in. Card, the card I'm talking about is UFC 254, which is the main event of Khabib versus Justin Gaethje. Then you've got Khabib's brother Umar versus Sergei Morozov. Uh, Islam Makachev, Makachev versus Rafael Dasanyos. And then we have um, a long list of... Uh, other fights which are not on the page which i was just have but just off those three fights to start with who have you got in the khabib fight for instance well i think that's going to be an actually a really interesting fight because gaethje actually poses probably the best threat in terms of takedown defense uh just because he was such a he's had such a massive wrestling pedigree i mean if you've seen some of these videos of when he was wrestling in college like that that guy's an animal and then you know, he's got a very sort of walking forward, um, walking forward, like very tough, gritty fight. I mean, that fight against Ferguson was probably, you know, one of the better fights of the year. Um, and, you know, he he's very prone to sort of taking punishment and coming back, you know, and, 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 and doing damage himself. 
he, he's got a very walk-forward style and he takes away the legs, but, you know, he's got heavy leg kicks. Um, obviously, I'm talking a lot about Gaethje. I mean, you know, the, 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 the real question is, will he be able to stop uh, Namagomedov's takedowns? Take because, really, that's what he's been able to do. Any, anyone that Habib sport, he's managed to close the range, get in close to them, land some heavy strikes, get them against the cage, get them on the floor, and just absolutely maul them on the floor. Every single person oh, they've managed yeah. to get down to the floor, he's, he's you know, dis disposed of them pretty much. You know, even against guys who are, who, are, who are better strikers, like, for example, Dustin Poirier, even though the striking exchanges, he looked better, um, Habib managed to neutralize that, still get in, still take him down, and still impose his, his, uh, his game plan. So that's going to be the question. If I reckon if Gaethje can stop the takedowns, and with his, you know, sort of forward pressure style with the leg kicks and stuff like that, I think it's going to be, you know, uh, very interesting to see who's going to come out the winner in that fight. It just depends who can impose their game plan better. And, uh, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't really say a prediction. It, it, like I say, it just depends which way the fight goes. I, I think, though, if Gaethje stops the takedowns, I reckon he'll, he'll, he'll be able to take that fight. But then if Habib does manage to get the takedowns, it'll go like his other fights have gone, just taking them down on the floor and, and, and impose his will and, his, and the damage on his opponents. Yeah, 100%. So some of the other fights, I'm not 100% sure if these have been confirmed, but they seem to be on the cards from things Dana said. Uh, Ferguson versus Poirier. Zabit versus Rodriguez. Robert Whitaker Whitt versus Kanenier. Kanenier. And uh, like the Dos Anjos fight, which I mentioned, that is like if all those fights are on the same card, I would argue that that's the best card ever on paper. Yeah, they've. they've done, I can't they've think of a, a card very, that's more loaded. Yeah, they've done a very good job uh, matchmaking. They've 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 made some very interesting uh, stylistic matchups. I think another, you know, big big fight. Obviously, Tony Tony Ferguson and Dustin Poirier. That's going to be a very interesting fight to see, and you know. Depending on you know the outcomes of all those fights is really going to mix up the uh, the lightweight division in terms of who the contenders are going to be and you know how the, how they're going to sort of uh, work all that stuff out. So yeah, um, and I'm obviously really interested to see uh, Whitaker and Cananeo and Yair Rodriguez and um, that uh, the the Russian guy Zabit. Oh my god, Zabit! Like, That's going to be incredible fight for, for for a more you know stylistically beautiful sort of matchup in terms of you've got yeah. two like very creative explosive strikers you know who, yeah. who've got a very all-rounded games that you know when those two clash you know you can expect there's going to be excitement for sure yeah is that over three yeah, rounds the or creativity five? for that one say again sorry mate is that over three rounds or five with Zabit? uh there was rumors that they were going to there was going to be the ferguson one might be a five five rounder but i don't know right. i not I, the moment I think they're down yeah. to three. Right. Um, I've got to say, for the Tony Ferguson, Dan, I think it's a very, very important fight for him. Obviously, he was disappointing against Gaethje. He took, he's taken a lot of damage in his last couple of fights. Mm. I don't think he can afford to take a load of damage and lose again mm. in terms of getting that shot at Khabib or Gaethje. Would you yeah, agree with that? Yeah, I, I would, yeah. If he, if he loses again... Um, you've got to take into account his age as well. Age is something that we keep talking about week on, week out, but you got to wonder with the, the pool of level of potential opponents to try to claw your way back up into contention. It, yeah, it's it's going to be a hard ask. 
even for someone as good as Ferguson. Uh, yeah, well, let's just see. I, I mean, I think Ferguson's personally, I think he's his style is just going to be something that Poirier is going to struggle with. It's just the way I think it's going to go. But look at me, I've been wrong nearly every week. So uh, I could be wrong with this. Yeah, we'll get to that, mate, don't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. Get to that. I know you're on my. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I had my, my head in my hands. <laughs> I could. I'm the prediction king at the moment. Um, mm. Do you know what match I'm really looking forward to off that? Apart from obviously Khabib Gaethje, I think it's going to be so interesting because I really think Gaethje could be the one to. Um, dethrone Khabib. I saw some really interesting comments uh, coming out of Khabib's camp this week. Well, Khabib said his dad wanted him to finish at 30, uh, 30 fights, which I believe is after the Gaith G fight. I think However, it's two more, it, it? Is it? No? I'm is, not, is it not sure. He might be two more then. I, I, I could be wrong with that. Mm. But, and then I think it was like the day after or one of the day, one of, someone from his camp said that they think that they should make the Conor rematch, absolutely, because that's the fight that everyone wants to see, blah, 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 etc. And I was like, ooh, that's interesting. They're, they're kind mm. of... And if that's right, that you said there's two more, like the Gaethje fight, and then the McGregor fight, and then he'll sail off into the sunset but I kept one way or the other. You. I think that kind of fits I'm... in with what he's always said, doesn't it? But hadn't they sort of penciled in GSP fighting him? That's something that well, I'll I think. About. I think Khabib's more interested in fighting GSP. Um, I don't think I saw uh, GSP say something about he didn't think that he would want to cut the weight because he feels that that would give Khabib a massive advantage, um, which it probably would. He said he thinks he would lose a lot of his tools, or some of his tools would be weakened. Let me just have a look. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, oh, there's so many amazing, massive fights, isn't there, at the moment, which they could potentially make. I, I don't think we'll see Conor McGregor until there's fans back in the stadium. I think that's why mm. they haven't made a McGregor fight off the... Maybe so, When you yeah, think yeah. of how hot he was after destroying Cowboy, like, it made sense to get him in a fight quite quickly after that. But because corona and and lockdown and all these different reasons they couldn't or they could have but they'd have had to do it at fight island or something like this and i really believe that that's why he hasn't fought because he didn't take any damage against cowboy he was clearly mm. focused and fit and everything so why wouldn't you you know you, he's your biggest money maker arguably him and john jones you'd think they would have wanted to get him you know up and running straight away but yeah you, oh that was the last little bit of news Brock Lesnar, his contract oh, yeah. with WWE is up. Yeah. And there is massive rumours that he will take one of two fights. So one is John Jones at heavyweight in the UFC. I think most people would like to see that. Can anyone guess what the other fight is? It is not in the UFC. Hmm. It's not in the UFC, so let's try and get the promotion. I mean, Bellator does the freak Bellator. matches. Would it be Bellator? Would that be and correct? Uh, yeah, Bellator. And, uh, and who would they put him up against? Are they pulling someone else out of retirement? Can you wait, give us that? Is much it? Of is it, is it um, uh, the um, Russian guy? Yeah. Heavyweight. Yeah. You want about Fedor? Fedor Emelianenko. Yeah, but you know what? 
I was having a conversation with my mate yesterday, and I said, if they're gonna, if he ends up going to Bellator or whatever, from you know, instead of the UFC, do you know, and he's gonna fight Fedor, I think they should just let him, let him, don't bother testing either one of them, and just let him fight, and just, yeah, just yeah, see yeah. what happens. Just let him come in like hulks. But, but when Brock, Brock wasn't there like different rules for Brock when he was in UFC last time around anyway? Yeah, he, he's, he's, I tell you what, you, you say what you like about him as like a person or fighter or whatever. Mm. As a businessman, he is second to none. Like mm. over the last few years, he's had WWE paying him millions every year for like three or four appearances a year. Yeah, he, he's got so he's got a completely different contract to everyone else, and from what I can mm. gather, he had a different contract to everyone else in the UFC as well. You know, it was uh, mm. very much. There was something around the testing, wasn't there, that they... I don't know. It's weird, though, because I thought the testing wouldn't be in uh, UFC's discretion anyway. Surely that defeats the object of having independent testers. Well, I think he would have to fight in a certain state to be able to have those ah, changes right, put in place. Right. It's something along those lines, but... Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I just think it's all a bit of a gimmick to bring him back. and He's yeah, someone else that's no longer a young man, but... But he's such a big, intense dude, and guy can obviously generally fight well. Um, we've seen that before. But, uh, yeah, who he's knows? A, I don't know. He's a star, mate, at the end of the day. Yeah, he brings yeah, in yeah. eyes, get doesn't that. he? And he'll yeah. do something controversial at some point. Yeah, no build doubt. up and You know, yeah. it'll be interesting. Personally, um, I think John Jones would absolutely destroy him. Um, mm. And that kind of takes the fun out for it, out of fun out of it of a Brock Lesnar appearance for me. Like, Brock mm. Lesnar, I find quite entertaining when he comes in and kind of just wrecks or tries to just get stuck into whoever he's fighting. I just got a feeling, mm. I do really believe that John Jones would take him apart. I don't want to say easily, because they, you know, a heavyweight fight, particularly because John Jones is not an, not fought a heavyweight uh, a great deal, if at all. Um, who would you, who do you think would win out of Lesnar and John Jones with Estes? Oh, I definitely agree with you. I think John Jones would dismantle Lesnar. Uh, they've both got a wrestling background. Uh, John Jones is more agile. Uh, he's more athletic. Well, I don't know if you could say necessarily more athletic, but he's more versatile and dynamic with his striking, which would mm. pose a massive threat to Lesnar. Um, obviously, the strength aspect I don't think would, would play much of a part uh, in, in, in that contest. Honestly, Jones has done a very good job with peop- keeping people at range and, and landing uh, landing really nice strikes. So I think he'll just impose that same game plan. And then Lesnar's only chance then would try and rush in and try and, you know, hold him against the cage or try and take him down. And at that point, Jones is, you know, very well versed at that, at, you know, stopping those attacks. So uh, I know we're, 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 we're sort of throwing a lot of shade saying, oh, yeah, Lesnar probably wouldn't win that fight. But, yeah, I just, honestly, I just don't think. I just don't think uh, uh, him against Jones would would be much of a competitive fight. No, no, me neither. Um, Danny, just lastly, then Fedor and Lesnar, who you got? Well, I'd still go Fedor, but Fedor has shown that his really? chin's not 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 what it was, and he's so small in comparison. So you know, they're the kind of things that would go against Fedor, but. Um, I mean, Fyodor's no slap through the wrestling. I do think he'll be he'll get taken down, but um, I, I don't think Fyodor's if he's gonna. Uh, sorry, um, if Brock's gonna win, 
He has to win the first three minutes of the first round. Um, and other than that, he ain't going to beat any of those two guys. Um, now, Fyodor has still been keeping in it. He's obviously keeping up his training. His chin's gone, no matter. I think yeah, that's the thing which... But then Lesnar's not it, a massive striker, is he? He's not renowned no, for his knockouts. He's a ground, he's a ground of power. If he gets him down early, we, we know he's going to be big with the shots and, and, and it's possible. But all the percentages in in my thoughts is going to be that you know Fyodor's just going to end up scrambling out at some point and then Brock's going to be a sitting duck for leg kicks, punches, the overhands that Fyodor throws and um, I think he'll fold with a combination of exhaustion and no longer have any more more valid attacks. So I just think he's dangerous for the first three minutes. If he, He's got to steam in and get either of those guys down early to get off some productive work and hope that it leads to an end. And with with John Jones, that's just not going to happen. John Jones is too fresh from all the fights. He's not taken loads of damage over the years. He, yeah, he, he can still take. He, you can say he could take a punch because we've never really seen him take a clean one. So you know his chin's going to hold up well. Good. He stands more of a chance of beating Fyodor than he does beating John Jones. Yeah, for sure. but to be honest, I'm not overly interested in seeing any of them. I'd rather see him fight Theodore than I would John Jones. Really, I would. I would be very interested to see the John Jones Lesnar fight, um, mm. just to see how Lesnar would react to John Jones chopping away his legs, because no yeah, one's yeah, really fault. ever done that to him. Mm. So I really would be quite interested to see how he how he reacted, because he's not. He's quite a grumpy little uh, little. He's quite a grumpy beast. And um, mm. I'd be interested to see how he would get on against someone who's... Because John Jones would be very elusive and, you know, he'd get stuck in, wouldn't he? Um, but, yeah, there's uh, that UFC 254, going back to that, that's the card I want to see. Um, so does that mean you're away for that one, Dan? Just thinking about that. Uh, what's the date of that one? That was in October, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, man. but what's the actual date? 254. So, okay. a bit UFC ahead here. 254... Is that, that's the that's the week after us. So that's October twenty so fifth. I'll be back. Yeah, I'll be back. So when's your when uh, Mo? Twenty seventeenth. Seventeenth. Uh, sorry. Right, okay. Um. All right then. Let's get into last night, uh, which was very, very, very interesting card. I was really enjoyed it. Another card though, Dan, decimated by the, the by the Rona. They yeah, lost, I think, four yeah. fights in total, three off the main That's card, right. was it? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it did make big, big changes. But they've obviously, you know, got things covered for such events because they still put on a fantastic card, I thought. Still really enjoyed the matchups. Yeah, yeah, they just lost a couple of big fights, I suppose. It's the, unfortunately, that's just the time we live in at the moment, isn't it? It's, Absolutely. You know, it's just weird. And I, you know, I've got to say, full credit to the UFC, the way they're handling it. I think has been uh, a a credit to to an, a, an example to companies around the world, whereby yeah. it is business as usual, but it's also about keeping the fighters, the staff, the referees, the commentators, everyone safe, and doing it the right way. So, uh, yeah. you know, everyone wants to get back to normal. We know that, but I think they're doing it the right way, and um, I got to commend them for that. Um, yeah, okay. I agree. So, uh, first up, we had Hunter Azura was defeated by Cole Smith. Unanimous decision, 29-28, 29-28, Mo, we'll go with you first. What did you make of this fight overall, mate? Yeah, so uh, 
it's definitely and did, wait, wait a minute didn't you say it the wrong way around you, you didn't you just say Cole Smith defeated Azur no I said Hunter Azur defeated Cole Smith oh did you yeah. Okay. But, but thanks for well, interrupting our guests. That's sure. right. You know, <laughs> just, just crack on. I'm going to listen back. <laughs> you're going to edit this. I'm going to edit it out. I don't know. You'll, you'll never hear it. I'm sure you had it the wrong way around. Gosh, Dan, you wanted to take the spotlight all the time. Come on. No, I know. Typical. Yeah. Some of the younger fellas. Let's go. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Modestus, what did you think of Hunter Azor <laughs> defeating Cole Smith by unanimous decision? 29, 28, 29, 28, 29, 28. I can now cut yeah. that in just in case I did say it the wrong way around. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I, de- I definitely agree with the decision. Uh, obviously, um, Azure uh, fought a very good fight. Um, I know there was there was things said about, you know, Azure in his last fight wasn't using much of his wrestling, but in this fight, he, he definitely uses wrestling uh, very well. Uh, looking at my notes. Yeah, so he he managed to get a lot of good control and get like good takedowns. He actually floored um, Smith with a with a big shot early in the first round, and uh, but you know Smith managed to to recover and and and, and you know uh, get back into the fight and stuff like that. I felt like Smith's kicks weren't very effective. I don't know if that if I'm just the only one that thinks that, but I'd, no, like, you know, I'd go with that. I, I didn't I didn't think they really did much to sort of bring the pressure away from, from Azur. Azur did very well to like sort of control uh, Smith against the cage as well. Uh, Smith had a, had, a, had a couple of um, good like sort of submission attempts and stuff like that and he, he reversed a couple of positions but it, for the main part obviously Azur was just like sort of very, he was controlling the flight, uh, controlling the flight sorry, a lot with his wrestling, you know, landed some good shots and stuff like that and you know had, had Smith under pressure. Although Smith did uh, a lot better in the second round um, I do think, obviously, it was, it was a clear-cut victory for Azor. So what about you, uh, Dan? What did you make of it, mate? Yeah, yeah, I, I agreed. You know, Cole's striking overall just was not being consequential to Azor. Um, Azor looked like he was initiating a lot of the potentially aggressive-looking striking. He was stepping forward with his overhand, trying to act maximum length. He had a slight reach advantage anyway, but giving away a good three inches in height. So he was covering that. That deficit in the height that he had with those overhand stepping through, really driving Cole back. Um, Cole surprised me as well by shooting in and engaging the wrestling himself, which nearly got him success. I mean, at one point he had Azur's back, um, and that was Azur's trickiest dealing that he had, really, um, other than Smith throwing up some nice armbar attempts that were easily defended by Azur. You've got to give him that. Um, And it just, yeah, it just out-wrestled Smith, really. Um, He just steadily outworked him each round looked really really solid uh, when he did have control he kept control longer than smith had control because smith had his moments you know he really did but he, he let those moments slip away a little too sooner than azul was allowing when he had control and um, it was a good performance overall i, I thought initially that they both performed well i just feel like cole smith just couldn't get off any of the aggressions with his strike partly because he chose to shoot in himself or he's being shoot, shot in a pond so feel like he had part of his game taken away from him and it made him look less effective for over those three rounds. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Um, yeah, um, it, was, like, it wasn't like uh, super, super one-sided, but it was pretty dominant. Um, Smith mm. was a bit better, a bit more impressive in the third round, but I, th- I just felt like he never really got going. Um, maybe didn't quite show what he could do. 
on mm. on the whole, but Azul did very well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. good fight, a fun fight, fun fight to watch though. Uh next up we had uh, Vivian uh Arageo defeating eleventh uh, ranked Montana de la Rosa by unanimous decision. 30-27, Danny, we'll go with you with this one first, mate. Yeah, Adura was really impressive. Uh, her striking was just on point, really aggressive, um, pushing forward all the time. She really pushed De La Rosa to the outskirts of the cage constantly. Um, it, you know, De La Rosa had her moments as well, um, but initially, each round, it was De La Rosa's face that was showing a worse picture after each round, she was getting more and more cuts, more and more bruises. And um, Ajura was just looking fresh all the time. She did look like she was fading with her energy a, a couple of moments, but kept getting the second wind. Um, yeah, I think she was utterly impressive through and through. Um, we didn't really get to see anything regards to ground. It was pretty much all contested on the feet. It was very much a kickboxing match. But Della Russell, because she was getting pushed back, just didn't look like she had any real pepper on any of her shots. She just didn't look like she was going to do any damage if she did land clean. Mm. Um, whereas uh, Vivian was really sticking pap on her shots. Her jab was like a heat-seeking missile. It really was. Every time she threw it out, it, it was stuck to her face. And mm. Yeah, it, it was impressive. I've got to say all the way through. Uh, what stuck out for you, Mo? Yeah, uh, again, I agree with everything that Danny had to say. Um, Araujo had uh, a lot of hard hard leg kicks. Uh, she did much better in all the striking exchanges, and she had a, you know, like 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 he said, a very good jab uh, that definitely uh, stopped any of the attacks from De La Rosa. Um, she managed to as well sort of break the clinch, uh, bleh, break the clinch uh, a lot as well. And yeah. uh, De La Rosa couldn't get any takedowns at all. And uh, yeah, she was just slowly wearing away at her. Um, mm. So yeah, it was, a, it was a very dominant performance. But like I say, that 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 jab is really what sort of set everything up in terms of the striking, along with the leg kick. So, yeah, it was a mm. uh, very, very, very good performance. And another interesting uh, women's fight to watch. Just <laughs> those girls are really going after each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, women twenty twenty in the UFC women's bouts have just been utterly sensational. I gotta say, they have really kicked it up a gear. That it feels like this year, uh, on the whole, the, the female fights have been so enjoyable to watch. Um, and this was no different. Um, and she took some damage, man. Like, like Mo just said, there it was very dominant performance. Um, mm. She was she was bloodied up, and you know, she I thought she did well actually to to really not necessarily get through the fight, but just to keep going the way she did. Uh, she mm. took quite a lot of damage, but uh, it was impressive, man. I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it again. Um, and Danny, you've been a big big proponent of the women's MMA especially like the last year where we've been watching these various cards and fights did you think this was right up there with some of the fights we've seen yeah absolutely you know you're, you're seeing a lot of shots throwing a lot of shots landing and don't get me wrong we get some of the guys stand toe to toe and put on oh, some yeah. incredible performance physically and, and mentally and they look real tough and but the, the women seem to be like that time and time again I mean they just they just go get from the start it's it's just to behold it really is um, i think because they don't have the ability or they have less so the ability to put the fight away with a single punch or co of course that's always a, a potential in, against any anybody male or female but initially they they don't strike quite as hard so they're not getting as many knockouts but what they are doing they are lumping each other up and they they're getting some 
horrendous marks on the face. I thought, what was the name of that Polish lady? Um, she had with a massive hematoma young, on her head. Yeah, yeah, young uh, Yeah, I mean, these girls are coming out marked up because they're not putting each other away with single or, or just two hits. They're, they're having to bang away at each other time and time again, and they wear the fight on their faces come the end of the three rounds. Or uh, they don't, do they do any five rounds? I'm just thinking. Do they do no, they only do threes, don't they? Well, I, I don't I think in the main well. events they're fives. Do they? Do yeah. they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They really wear it on their faces, and uh, but it don't perturb them. They they keep they keep fighting, and it's utterly impressive. Yeah, proper warriors, mate. They. Um, I yeah. thought it, another really really enjoyable fight, which I. Yeah, I loved that one. Uh, next mm. up, Brian Kelleher versus Ray Rodriguez. Didn't go too long, only 39 seconds. Uh, Ray Rodriguez obviously stepped in towards the last week, I think it was. Or well, he certainly did have a great deal of uh, preparation time. Did it make a difference to the result, Danny? Uh, well, you know, we'll never know that. Uh, but I, I think if it didn't make a difference to the result, it may have made a difference of how quick that result come about um you know he shot in very very early he, he got that neck tangled up and uh and getting caught in a guillotine in the first round really early on it's it's going to be a difficult escape and um but uh yeah <laughs> i felt sorry for him you know he, he stepped up i just think i just wish that you know when you're taking a fight on a short notice like that you know instead of just go rushing in at least try and warm your body through and, you know, try and get your, your body warm while you're in there and sit behind a jab a little bit and feel your footwork out. But, um, yeah, he did no such thing. He, he just shot in deep, didn't get the takedown, uh, then left the neck hanging and it was, that was it. It was the end. Uh, yeah, gutting for him. But well done to Kelly. You know, he's he's got a nice quick win on his yeah, it's very, very impressive. Uh, Ray, I thought Ray Rodriguez made a little bit of an error, like you say. Um, yeah. By shooting, shooting in, on, shooting in on him, shooting in on him, should I say? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Brian Kelleher locked in that guillotine real yeah. quick and real yeah, tight. T- very, very tight. Mo, what did you think of this very short fight? And also, do you think uh, Rodriguez could have done anything different once he had shot in? Well, I mean, like I say, when when you're leaving your neck hanging like that, he he did a, a takedown with the head on the outside, I believe, and then literally Kelleher just jumped straight on it. I think it was a a, a one arm in guillotine from the guard. So, I mean, obviously Kelleher was very confident in in what he was doing, but also the shot. I mean, it seemed a little bit like sort of lackluster. So it just sort of just just went in and like just shot the head deep, and then he just you know got the arm straight in there and you know locked up very well and it, it was right against the cage as well so there's no way to sort of turn out or do anything like that so mm. um yeah i mean obviously in short notice you know maybe he w- maybe he had more of a wrestling game and he wanted to impose that on his opponent and uh, but yeah i think maybe he should have sort of felt out uh felt out the range a little bit more land the strikes and then go for the takedown but uh you know it would be a learning it would be a learning curve for him uh, for sure, and uh, you know it, it will probably uh, help him to adjust certain things uh, in 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 his game and uh, come back stronger. So, uh, but a very good performance for Brian. So, uh, uh, yeah, nice for him to obviously see that opportunity, take it, and then and then go and win nice and early. Mm. 
Indeed, indeed, indeed. It's very impressive. Uh, next up, we had Bartosz Fabinski versus Andre Muniz, with uh, Muniz defeating uh, Fabinski by submission. Amber, uh, two minutes forty-two into the round one. Mo, let's go with you first, mate. What did you get at this one? Yeah. So Fabinski sort of started very, very aggressive, but then as soon as he he uh, got caught with a with a couple of punches by Munoz. He he went straight away in for that takedown, and uh, he seemed to be straining a lot for that takedown. Like he he was putting in a lot a lot of effort to try and get Munoz Munoz down, uh, which he eventually managed to get the takedown. And then uh, it was just amazing sort of jiu-jitsu transitions from Munoz to uh, go go for that guillotine, which then turned into an uh, an armbar attempt. So. It was just a, ve a very good showing of jiu-jitsu and uh, yeah, it was just a bit too much sort of, I think, rushing in and being aggressive by Fabinski, uh, which uh, Muniz obviously capitalised on. Um, and I can imagine it must have took quite a lot of energy out of uh, Fabinski anyway, just to really try and get, get Muniz down, which may have led to those errors, which eventually caused the finish anyway. So it's very, very, uh, very nice jiu-jitsu by uh, Muniz. Yeah, impressive jiu-jitsu for sure. Danny, you love a bit of jiu-jitsu, my friends. Tell us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was good jiu-jitsu. I mean, normally I don't advocate playing off your back. Um, it's not a strategy that we sit comfortable with. We seem to when be talking about this a lot the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you know, for the most part, you save your energy to, to scramble back up and, and not play off your back. Maybe one or two submission attempts, maybe, if you know you've got a distinguished difference in skill level there. But for the rest rest of it, it's um, the only time you play grappling is when you're on top. Uh, other than that, you're playing scramble and, and get up and get out. But, um, yeah, he, he uh, uh, what was impressive about Muniz was the way he set up that initial guillotine attempt, which yeah. ended up with that ground scenario. Um, it, it was quite nicely set up. I just don't like this whole jumping guard thing. Um, guillotines can be had standing up and on the feet. Uh, you don't need to jump to your back for them. I understand that it can get potentially more uh, leverage into them. I kind of get that. And in this case, it worked out well for him because he got into a situation where he's on his back and got the victory. But like I say, it's not a strategy that I think you should be making a habit of because I think you're going to get more losses than you are wins. But in this case, it just pulled off really well with those slick transitions. But if you have a look at the way he set up that guillotine initially, he was trying to break off the fence by using the tie clinch. He was trying to engage his forearm with Fabinski's shoulder to noose up a tie clinch and counter those takedowns with some for knee shots. But Fabinski was able to keep on pushing too tight for him to connect his forearm. So yeah. what Menudez did, he started moving it off the fence. He started moving off the fence into a sprawl, sprawl scenario to get that head dipped down, and that's how he's able to snag that neck. Um, then when he did jump the guard, um, what I did like about the position, which he never capitalised on, was the fact that he got his um, ankles close. So he closed his guards uh, down uh, Fabinski's legs, um, and he had an over-under on, on, on the guillotine choke. He had the guillotine choke and then wrapping up that arm. He could have bridged and got the mount position with the guillotine which is even more devastating even more leverage and of course you have a great secondary option of letting go of it and having that mount position um that would have been a better sequence strategically but nevertheless you know he missed the guillotine he threw those legs up um like uh, uh, i think initially he was setting it up for a triangle but transitioned it round for for an arm bar but the way he did it was just so old school jiu-jitsu hold the mm -hmm. wrist step your foot through, through the loop that you create with the holding of the wrist and uh, 
and, and throw their legs up and round. So, yeah. Uh, but Fabianski was doing initially all the right things when he was trying to prep it. He was trying to keep his head down, keeping head to head. But against a fresh opponent, they can kind of force the issue a little bit because they've got loads of energy to do so. And um, he pugged it all at price for it. Indeed. Couldn't have said it better myself, mate. Um, next up was... Uh, Mich Michelle Pereira versus Zelim Imadeov, uh, with Pereira picking up the victory via submission, rear naked choke. Four minutes thirty-nine into the third round, this one finally one land landed a little bit longer than the last two, uh, so we got a proper fight. And I thought it was uh, a very interesting fight. Uh, Danny, let's start with you, mate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pereira striking was really looking loose. Crisp. Um, he's quite big at the weight. Um, he, he, he looked really, really sharp. And what was nice was he was controlling that that clear energy he has. And the, the, he has a lot of gall to throw out some really wild strikes. But he looked like he held himself back. He's like that racehorse that just wants to go full bore in the long distance race. You've got to pull their chin down and not let him go. He held himself back. And I think that served him really, really well because it made him have that tempo advantage over uh, Imadev. Imadev's fault against this style was the fact that his feet were so orthodox to, to a striker. He was left leg forward, right leg back with a really traditional form. Now, the issue with that is in a cage, a cage is a lot bigger space to run because you can circle around and so off. So you've got to have different types of combinations and you've got to mix up your footwork um, to cover that extra distance. But he was not doing that. So he was trying to close Pereira down. And Pereira was just being too fast for him. He, he was yes. playing off of Emadev's footwork coming forward, saying so uh, so square and so clinical. Um, and he started eating shots. Now, Pereira did have me worried because in the second round, he was getting obviously getting very, very confident. And he started doing his uh, cartwheel kicks. and yeah. But they take a lot of energy. They really do. They take a lot of energy. Not only can it get you in a sticky situation if you, you misjudge it completely and get countered uh, with a ground position and so on and so forth, but, but I have seen him begin to fade because of the amount of energy he's put into these aggressive strikes. So as much as it's lovely viewing, it's not a great strategy to throw out one flamboyant strike after another. Like I said, they're so energy-based. But he retracted back. He started keeping it simple. Um, I know a lot of people don't like the goading and stuff, but I kind of liked what he started doing. He started spitting on his palms and indicating, hey, I'm going to slap you like a bitch. But my boy, you know, mm -hmm. he literally did do that. He, he spat on his hands and uh, and he kept slapping Emma Deer off around the face. And uh, he was making it land. He was making it pull off. Why he chose to go, whether he hurt his knuckles or whether he's just goading Emma Deer and getting that confident. But he literally just started bitch slapping him. Um, he but he did, went back yeah. to throw him. Yeah, he went back to throwing punches as well. But he actually went back to slapping him again in that third round um, because he was, seemed to be landing more of his slaps than he was his actual punches. But what, do you but, think, um, what do you think irritated him so much that he w went down that route of trying to antagonise um, him like that? I just think he was getting confident. He knew that if he wanted to stay safe, he could just footwork away. Like mm. I say, Imadeus, you can have the hardest punch in the world. If you don't have slick footwork to get into range, to throw it, to make it land, then you ain't putting no fear on anybody. Um, that's why I've never been impressed by someone who works, hits a really a, a bag really hard. You know, we, we get some 
people come from other gyms and, and stuff. And I don't want to talk crap about them because I'm really open at our gym. But you get some guys, they'll come in and hit the bag and warm up on the bag before doing the class. Mm. And uh, they give you a little look like as if to say, hey, you can see how hard I hit that bag. But that never impresses me. You've got to have slick footwork to make any of those hard shots land. And Emadev just didn't have diverse enough footwork. He's really going to have to go back to a drawing board and trying to think of how he's going to deal with people with slick footwork, such as Pereira, because if he don't, he's going to have this happen to him again. But let's take nothing away from Pereira. You know, it looked like he's, um, he's honing his own style. We know he's a flamboyant striker, but he's, um, He's looking like he knows how to stay there now and stay effective and actually be able to go for the longevity of those three rounds and not be a one or a two man, uh, two round merchant where, you mm. know, he looks good as long as he's got the energy to do so. He held himself back very, very well. There was a little controversy about the submission. Um, when he jumped the submission in, uh, they looked back more closely to wonder whether it was a tap or not. Whether it was, it was a tap or not, um, I think it, it wasn't a tap, but I can't blame the referee for thinking it is for that split moment. Uh, we know that referees are under a lot of scrutiny about stopping fights late. Um, so, you know, I think once he saw that hand, it did look like it tapped momentarily. Uh, but I don't think it would have made no difference to the result whether that choke came on or, or didn't come. Pereira, to me, was pretty dominant throughout the whole lot. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Um, it was interesting to watch, really was, because he was... There was a bit of niggle there. As well as uh, some very, very good MMA. Uh, Mo, what did you make of this one? Very flamboyant and elusive striker. I love, I love seeing guys like that uh, coming out in, in, in the UFC and, and imposing their will with the striking, just because that's sort of a similar style to what I like to have. So uh, it's nice to see him being very effective out there, especially in a small cage as well. He managed to... To, to, to judge the range and judge the distance really well. Uh, his, his feints and his, um, his the sort of showboating inevitably actually g gave him the openings as well for his strikes. You know, those open hand mm -hmm. slaps, those big overhand rights as well, which he sort of blitzed into as well. Like I said, like Danny said, obviously it was a little bit scary when he started throwing a lot of wild shots. It's like, is he going to, you know, sort of use up all his energy again? Uh, you know, like some of his previous fights, but he managed to, 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 to hold back. He was he was pretty effective pretty much most of the fight. Like I said, his, his confidence and, you know, it, it just sort of built up slowly over time within that fight and it made him more more elusive, more flamboyant, like, you know, just sort of feeling the rhythm a lot more to land his strikes and to, to be effective. Also thought that... Um, in the clinch, he had very good knee strikes. He was he was effective in all areas of striking, not just in the outside range, but and all these crates. He it's weird. He threw a lot of Superman punches as well. Like he loves like you know pushing off of the cage and doing like yeah, Superman yeah, yeah. punches a lot. He does that a lot, uh, which, which which is actually you know really quite cool. Like I say, he he wants to. It's nice to see that type of style because it, it, it he wants to excite the crowd, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, I think that uh, there was a bit of a uh, they 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 had a bit of back and forth at the weigh-ins and stuff like that, and I think that from that that probably stemmed why he actually wanted to slap the guy more within the fight as well. Um, and I have to admit that was a beautiful takedown right at the end. Uh, yes. I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure that that must have took a lot of the uh, a lot of the wind out of uh, Imadeev at the end of the round. So. You know, obviously, with there being a slightly, you know, controversial stoppage, maybe that had put the wind out of him quite a bit to be able to even sink that choke in, because that was a lovely takedown right at the end. Uh, big, big suplex. 
Uh, so yeah, it just shows that he had like you know a very good overall game. And yeah, Im- Dave just was sort of just standing in front of him too much, oh. uh, just literally just sort of plodding and not. You know, when you've got a guy that moves quite a lot like that, you you can't just stay there. You know, you have to at least try and pressure in or, or impose your your sort of game plan more. But yeah, very very impressive performance by Pereira. Yeah, very impressive. And like you say, the uh, the finish was very smooth. It came as uh, Pereira took him down and uh, locked in that rear naked choke for him to tap. Although there maybe was some uh, dispute about whether. He tapped or not? Uh, very quickly, uh, did you guys thought think it was a tap? Uh, Mo, did you think it was a tap? Um, I mean, it's very hard to see from the footage, but uh, like I say, that I, I I personally thought that takedown was quite wore quite heavy on Imadeev. So, you know, once he sunk that, he got that arm right in there straight away. As soon as mm. he got like landed a couple of punches and got his hand in there straight away. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, stop. Like Danny said, you know, he would have won the fight anyways. Doesn't matter if they stopped it there or they stopped it after three rounds. It's just you know yeah. now he's got a got a finish on his record. So, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, it's hard hard to see there really. I think this would have been a much bigger talking point had Imadev been slaughtering Pereira all the way through, and and then he yeah. got choked out in this. Then I think <laughs> so. Um, yeah, but I personally, I don't. I don't think that was a, a clear. Uh, to me, tapping has to be quite clear. But like I say, the the rest are under extreme pressure and a lot of scrutiny of late. Um, and and it did go like this as he as he reached. So yeah, I can yeah, understand why the ref yeah. thought it was a tap, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I, I, that 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 choke looked like it was going to go on um, at some point seconds later. Anyways. Um, Pereira had a lot of energy about him it kind of sinking right underneath that chin from the get-go um, and, and I think it was going to be curtains either or way Indeed, uh, next up we had Ovin St. Preux versus Alonso Minefield um, and you get your, your walk-off KO for the night uh, Mo, talk us through this one mate because I the finish specifically was Brutal, but uh, I yeah. thought Ovin Sumpru looked good. Yeah, uh, it was uh, it was uh, another very interesting fight. Menafield likes to be the sort of imposing uh, fighter in all in, in all of his fights. He likes to come forward. He's he's very physical, very explosive. I mean, you know, very similar to OSP, but uh, he seems to like really really put it on guys. He tries to walk forward and and land big overhand shots and stuff like that. But OSP really did show how much more dynamic his striking was. I, I saw that he, he landed quite a lot of good body kicks as well. Um, he landed very good counters. That's what inevitably led to the finish at the end, was that every time Manyfield was trying to impose his will, I mean, you know, there were a couple of times where, you know, they were sort of still trying to feel each other out and feel their range and stuff like that, and there wasn't much action. But when it, there was action, OSP did well, especially off the back foot, to land some strikes, land those body kicks, and, and Manyfield... Was sort of seemed a lot more one-dimensional than OSP was, and because OSP had a more versatile attack, that's what then led him being able to set up the the uh, the finish. Which you know, a walk-off KO. I mean, it it was really quite devastating. Literally, the guy just fell flat uh, straight away, and uh, it was a uh, you know 
OSP has had a very mixed bag of fights. You know, he's had fights where he's fought really well and, and done really well, had some highlight reel finishes and somewhere, you know, he's he, he's he's had sort of not, not so good performances and uh, but he's he's been a very entertaining fighter to watch the whole way through. There's a lot of hype from Menafield, and I, and I can see why, because, you know, very explosive. If he lands that one big shot on you, you know, it's going to be lights out from that guy. He's a very explosive fella and uh, very confident as well uh, within his game. But uh, OSP did everything uh, tactically in terms of striking to be able to neutralize the power in Menafield's hands, which then led to the KO. So, yeah, it was a very good performance by OSP. Yes, uh, and I wonder from a UFC's point of view whether, obviously, like you said, um, Minefield is very highly rated. Uh, whether they'd want the highly rated younger guy losing to the experienced campaigner, I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, Danny, what did you make of this one? Owen, same crew again, mixed bag, but he came in and he was strong tonight. Uh yeah, yeah. I like watching some crew fight. I really do. He seems mm. to use his cross hand like it's a jab. I mean, he, he don't set it up. He just throws mm -hmm. it and he can make it land. It, it's quite incredible. It's not many people who can just throw a cross hand like he does and, and, and make it land like a jab does. He, he really is high percentage with it. Um, now, that part impresses me. He does worry me a little bit with his slapsadaisical guard, uh, has his chin floating a little bit. But maybe that's because he was up against someone considerably shorter and mm. stockier. Because um, for the most part, you know, he had his footwork in place when needed, and he had his blocks there when needed. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, how do I say, say his name? What is it? Manyfield, isn't it? Manyfield, Manyfield. Yeah, yeah Manyfield. He looks all the part. He's muscled, stocky. Um, he reminds me a lot of Melvin Manoff in his striking. Wears similar shorts as well. Mm -hmm. um, looks very, very similar. The thing that was disappointing about him was his work rate. His work rate was never really huge. When he did go to work in that first round, it, it looked aggressive and full of energy, but he was unable to make good connections. Um, but then as the rounds went on, he became less and less engaging and, and become the one foot working on the outside. And with someone with four inches in height over you, and, and I think he had reach advantage as well, yeah. um, that's not what you want to be doing. He stayed on the outside just too long. Um, and I think he knew, and he must have been getting coaxed for his corner to come in. But of course, um, Sampru was just waiting for him. And he caught him on the way in. And boy, did he catch him. And he put him out. I'm kind of excited about Sampru. He's been around for a little while now, though, hasn't he? He's, a, he's yeah, had a fair old few sure. fights. So I know he's been a mixed bag, but um, I think he's got a chance to, of get, getting up there. I, I, I'm impressed with his delivery of his strikes. I'm just not so impressed with his defensive game although maybe if he's fighting someone with equal reach or more, a longer reach and maybe matching more in his stature in terms of his height you know maybe a tighten that up a little bit more at least i hope so and if he does so i think he could be someone who could be making some waves in the in the top brackets 100 percent. and uh, mo do you who would you like to see uh Sempru go next uh, oh who's in that top 10 yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think definitely he, he deserves a fight within the top ten. I mean, mm. how, how old how old is Saint Prue? Oh, that's a question. He's got to be. He can't be. Uh, like he can't be too young. He's got to be around thirty plus, surely. Um, I try and have a I try and have a look. Saint Prue. Saint Prue. I think he's thirty-seven. 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 Right. So. I mean, 
you know, like, like I say, heavier guys can go a bit, you know, later longer. in yeah. uh, a little bit longer and stuff like that. So who knows where, you know, would you be able to argue for him to have a, he He needs to, uh, you know, have another fight against a top contender and mm. then, you know, work, maybe have another fight and, you know, maybe he can go for another run at the title. So, uh, you know, he's been having, you know, some impressive performances. Obviously, he lost his last fight at heavyweight, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. I think so, so. Yeah, I think you're yes, right. I, think um, did. I mean, in the light heavyweight division, obviously he he he's still an imposing character. So yeah, I, I guess it's a case of he he just needs to fight someone within the top ten to then prove himself in in that top ten bracket to then get himself another title shot. And then I think after he makes his last run, I'm I'm you know I don't see many other fights that he probably want to take. Yeah, I think um, that's probably about right. Um, I didn't I didn't realize he was. Like thirty-seven, I thought he was a little bit younger than that. I gotta say, but he has been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, but you don't get much much more impressive than that knockout, mate. Let's be honest, uh, Dan. Yeah. I thought it was. Uh, it's one of them, isn't it? It's like you can't do much more than just flat out KO someone and yeah. then walk off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like seeing a car skid off a track. He sort of come flying forward and just kept going forward because he was knocked unconscious mm. straight into the fence. Beautiful, it was yeah, a beautiful knockout. A sweet, a sweet a one. Flare. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing as well. I mean, the one other thing you could do is you can elbow someone in the head until they fall through the yeah through the through the cage door. I mean, that that always looks quite good. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where we've seen that one before. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure he's seen it somewhere. But I can't, cannot think where. Um, and then next up, we had the the main event of the evening, Danny. So the main event, meaning it's yeah, the most important there we fight. Go. There we go. So, so as usual, last week we made our predictions after your <laughs> poor effort the week before, where you got you know everything wrong and I got everything right. Um, so you changed tack and you went for the, I suppose, lesser known fighter. In Augusto Sakai, and I did say at the time, Alistair Overeem. I think I might have even said via TKO strikes after 26 seconds of round five. I probably said nah, that. No, but... no, no, no. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. But yeah, Alistair Overeem uh, defeated Augustus Augustus, not Augustus Augusto Sakai by TKO via strikes at the 26 seconds into the fifth round. Um, I thought Alistair Overeem looked good. Danny, yeah. what did you think of this? Yeah, um, over three rounds, Sakai would have won that. That, that That's my initial thing. So the fact that it went on for five, um, I don't think he's ever done a five-round fight. Um, I don't think. Um, I could yeah. be wrong with that, but I don't think he has. Um, Sakai looked really good um, in the early rounds. Uh, to me, he was winning those early rounds. He was going on the bigger flurries. Um, now, whether it was uh, over him trying to look after his aging fuel tank, well, we have seen patience from him before, but I think he knows how to fight a five-round fight. And um, I think his experience literally is what won it um, because he, he managed to figure a way of getting Sakai down. Now, I, I thought it was going to stay on the feet all the time. I didn't think – I know Sakai is really heavy in the hips – and I just didn't think Overeem would have the tools to get him down. Um, but he found a way. And it was an unusual way of getting him down. He, he was uh, 
sacrificing himself, wasn't he? And, mm. and, and throwing him over. It was an unusual way of doing a takedown. You don't normally see it done that way. But he, he stumbled across a way of getting him down and he stuck to it and he kept getting the result. And Sakai was looking a little bit vulnerable uh, on his back. It seemed to take a lot out of his gas tank as well. Um, he wasn't having as much uh, venom behind his combinations when he was coming forward on Overeem after that first takedown that happened. And uh, yeah, Overeem got him down in that final round and, and carried on putting it down on him. And yeah, it just got all too much. A massive learning curve for Sakai. I think he'll be a better fighter from this experience. But wow, Overeem. I mean, in my heart, I wanted Overeem to win. But <laughs> as the previous week, I went with my heart and uh, got all the results wrong. So <laughs> I thought, hey, I'm going to go with who, who I think should win. And I really felt like Sakai should have won that fight. Um, but, you know, someone coming up the ranks, uh, fighting some, with someone with more than double the amount of experience, and it actually showed. So, fair play to Overeem. I mean, he's making himself relevant again, and he could even get back up to contention to, to fight for a title again at 40-odd yeah, years old. Um, it, it, I think it's the only other time we've seen chance. that was with Randy, Randy Couture, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, be interesting. I think there's a very good chance he's going to be right up there, mate. I've got to be honest. Yeah, I mean, what an absolute see that legend. The way it's going. Uh, I mean, I, without a doubt, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, and he's got to be one of the top, what you know, top of Hall of Famers. He's really done it all. He's, he's fought top level K1. He's fought in, in just done everything. This guy. He's had a lot of fights. Um, utterly impressive. It'd be fantastic if he can get to uh, 50 wins. Um, I think he's up to 48 now, I believe. Um, it would be fantastic if he could. And if anyone can do it, Overeem can do it, especially after what I saw watching him um, from yesterday. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for, what about you, Mo? Uh, what did you enjoy in, about this one? Yeah, uh, I, I thought was a, that was a really good fight as well. Um, Overeem, sorry, Sakai uh, did a very good job of doing his blitzes. Like, he sort of had a very forward pressure blitzing style attack getting towards the cage and then landed shots had some very nice sort of clinch striking as well um over him sort of in those first three rounds of just sort of just covering up blocking the punches weathering the storm and then moving out and trying to land some of his strikes but sakai i thought looked very impressive like looked very very dangerous with with, with his striking attack but you know over him did well to sort of negate much of the uh much of the power in, in intensity that was enforced on him by uh sakai but you know it looked it looked very very like very nice combinations that he put like especially inside the clinch and stuff like that uh working on the outside body up to the head and stuff like that so that, that was really nice what i thought was great was yeah over him getting the takedown i think that really changed the momentum of the fight for sure uh he had a very nice leg trip in the third round uh, he had some very good ground and pound as well. Uh, when he did mm. manage to take him down, he managed to land some very heavy, uh, good uh, 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 ground and pound. Um, and yeah, like Danny said, he sort of launched himself into a couple of those takedowns. It was almost like a like a single leg, but like a yeah, like a single leg misdirection sort of takedown that 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 he had. But it was very effective for him. So you know, uh, credit to him for getting that. And then yeah, it was really the the ground and pound was was the main difference. To, to, to get in him that finish because Sakai really just had no answer uh, for those takedowns or the ground and pound uh, although he looked very good uh, in the standing aspect so uh, yeah it's a very good win for Overeem 
Um, very impressive from both fighters. Uh, uh, you know, Sakai's going to learn uh, a lot from this fight. Uh, definitely going to come into his next fight with a lot more experience and 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 be able to uh, up his skill sets and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I would definitely love to see Overeem uh, have another shot at the title. He's definitely working yeah. towards that. I mean, he's uh, he had a very very impressive performance, and he definitely showed. Uh, a very uh, all-rounded skill set in this fight, managing to get the takedown, weather some heavy strikes, land his own heavy shots, and very nice ground and pound. So, uh, yeah, it definitely looks very bright for the for the near future for Overeem. That's for sure. So, Dan, did you um, did you think ultimately it was the experience which cost Sakai, or do you think it was a stamina thing where he would those those final couple of rounds, or those extra couple of rounds of sort of cost him yeah i think it was a little bit of both a little bit little bit of his inexperience and also overeem's extreme wealth of experience mm. um i think um there were there was a few things you know to, to add in to the whole experience for sakai first time doing five rounds and um, not often being put on his back and his first loss as well um, all these other fights, he'd been steadily winning. He's had some close fights, but he's been winning. He's had a he's had a really good run since 2017 when he lost against Chuck Congo. Um, so uh, yeah, I just think once once he got put on his back and he got pushed into those championship style rounds, um, you know, being round four and five, I just think he didn't have a strategy or a game plan for the feeling uh, of hurting, the exhaustion, and trying to trying to think your way out of these difficult situations that Overeem was putting on him because there were times he was kicking Overeem and he really should have been scrambling to get back up to his feet. But he kicked Overeem off, expending a lot of explosive energy and stayed on his back for Overeem to re-engage. Now, that is not something that an experienced fighter will do. You, when you kick off like that, it's with the intent to get up. He merely mm. kicked him off just to bide him time, just to stop any more of that ground and pound. That is not the right thing to do. You kick off and you exert yourself in those situations because you're trying to create a scramble to get out and get up. He just did not do that. Now, whether he don't know how to do that efficiently and effectively because he's not covered that in his gym, in which case he's got to put that in, or was it just that you know he was just lost in the rounds, you know, feeling that exhaustion maybe stopped him feeling like he could scramble up, but. He didn't have the answers in those latter rounds. And um, when Overing didn't have the answers in the first few rounds, which he was losing, um, he kept feeling around for the right answer and he found it. And he stuck to it. And when the question was put on to Sakai, Sakai couldn't do the same. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think Sakai shouldn't take, like, he shouldn't be too disheartened by it. I, um, I thought he was really very, very good, especially in those early rounds. Uh Alistair Overeem used his experience as he should, and uh, all round, I thought it was a very good main event to top off a very good and very enjoyable UFC card. Um, what would you give Fight of the Night to Mo out of those fights? Before I tell you what was what was given, Fight of the Night. Mm, I would. I mean, I'd, look, I I I really enjoyed that uh, that Pereira fight. From all the crazy stuff, stuff that he was throwing, but I'll, um, I'll, I'll say it's between. It's a hard one, man. I'll say between that and OSP. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the Pereira fight. I thought that was the one which really kind of stood out for me. Um, what about you, Dan? Which one would you give it to? Uh, uh, Pereira for his 
performance. I think he had performance of the night. Um, but for for the actual fight itself, I, I really enjoyed the Overeem fight. I thought I thought that was good because you saw adversity on both fronts. They were both cut and bleeding, and both had to change strategy. And I thought that fight had it all. I, mm. I really did. That that was the one that it, it had me sitting backwards and forwards on my seat. Um, I really loved it all round. Um, Prayer was just so dominant, and, and that was great. I just think so. Certainly, he should have. Had, performance of the night but um as for the fight of the night the one i enjoyed watching much was the overima sakai yeah i um i just read it then there's um some people have been quite critical of augustus sakai saying he wasted a golden opportunity um you know obviously to pick a a big name uh off in alistair Overeem. um i think that's a bit harsh i, I agree i think it's harsh did very well, particularly early in the night, but ultimately he didn't. To, he didn't get it like he didn't finish it, did he? I suppose he, he did the good work in the early rounds, and then didn't. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He didn't. Yeah, didn't cast the one capitalize. Didn't capitalize on that early good work. Um, yeah, so that was interesting. And let's have a look. I'll do quick predictions for UFC next week. Danny, because you are on fire, my friend. (laughs) I'm on the fire. That's what it feels like. Uh, Uh, So what have we got next week? We've got a main event, a female main event next week. So hopefully they'll uh, continue the trend of uh, exceptional fights. So the main event is Michelle Watson versus Angela Hill in the strawweight bout. Who you got for that? Angela uh, Michelle Watson ranked eight. Angela Hill ranked thirteen. Uh, Michelle, I'm going to go Michelle. Michelle Watson for Danny Button. I'm going to go with Angela Hill, just for the to go opposite. What about you, uh, Modestus? Who do you fancy in that? Uh, I'll, I'll I'll say uh, Michelle Watson. Uh, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I I, uh, I think she'll probably win, but I just well, I got to oppose Danny just for the, <laughs> just for the fun of it. Uh, and the, the other announced bout is uh, Billy Quarantilo versus Kyle Nelson in a featherweight bout. Um, either of those stick out for either one of you? Let's go, Billy. Billy, uh, I've Adolf. not seen much of both fighters, so I'll, 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 my my prediction wouldn't 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 definitely would wouldn't be very credible. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Isn't it? If you haven't, uh, if you're not familiar with these guys, it can make it difficult. Um, I'll obviously go with the opposite to Danny. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll probably be right, but there we go. Uh, so yes, uh, that's pretty much it. Next week we have uh, Cage Warriors, Wellstar, uh, Ben Ellis joining myself and Danny, and uh, got some other. Names from the UFC and Bellator and Cage Warriors coming up soon. So uh, keep an eye on our social media, which is at Danny Batten FS. All the shows, this and all the other series on Ace Podcast Nation, you'll find us youtube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation. And uh, give us a follow on Twitter at AceCast underscore Nation. Also on Instagram and Facebook and a like. Uh, Modestus, tell people where they can find the Baltic Gladiator on social media. 
<laughs> well, he said that perfectly for my Twitter name. So, yeah, uh, I recently just changed it to uh, just Baltic Gladiator uh, for Twitter. Uh, for uh, Instagram, it's uh, M-O-D-Y-B-24, even though I want to get that changed to Modib USC. Shout out to my girlfriend for coming up with that uh, username. So, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously, just to keep her happy, obviously, I want to try and change it. No, I'm joking. Honestly, I, I like that name. <laughs> We're definitely going to try and go with that one. Uh, and Facebook, just Modessa Spukowskis. So, um, yeah, hit me up for any modelling deals if they're going about these days. Uh, and me. And Danny. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he's, look at, he's looking for the porn star contract. Yeah. <laughs> you see me in the show, you know I'm the man for the job. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> the, the fantasy channel will be in contact shortly. Um, <laughs> Modesta, thank you for joining us, mate. Always a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Really enjoy uh, chatting with you. And yeah, thank hearing you so your much. takes. Thank you mm. so much for having me on again. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to both of you. I always have a really good time. And, uh, yeah, can't wait for the next one. Yeah, I'm sure you'll be on soon, mate. Well, we'll have you on after your fight. Maybe do a little interview with you as well. And uh, awesome. whatnot. But, uh, yeah, the other thing, guys, t- t- uh, keep an eye out for the shorter videos as well. They've got some some MMA stars from various companies doing short interviews for extra content. Gotta love the content. Danny, I don't know what to say to you, mate. I gotta be honest. Just the moustache just puts me off. I just, <laughs> I can't look at you. <laughs> no. Um, you'll be back next week, of course, and then we'll be joined by Ben Ellis. Until then, thank you to everyone for listening, watching, whatever you may do. Spread the word, Danny Batten Fight Show. I would put Danny's analysis and our guest analysis against anyone in the world uh, for top level mixed martial arts analysis. So spread the word, Danny Batten Fight Show. See you next time. Podcast Network.